Welcome to the Good Games Podcast. I am James. And I'm Leo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the very first episode of the Good Games Podcast. Uh, I always like... I always like when I find a new podcast, I like to listen to the most recent episode and then go back and listen to the very first episode. If it's like a long running podcast to that's a good technique. I like that. Yeah. To see like how, how uh, like if the audio quality has improved, just the, the format differences of the show. Yeah. Oftentimes like the first couple episodes are just total crap, right? <laughs> well, hopefully this is not that. Um, what, what I, I have been, um, God, getting ready to move. I've been getting ready to move. Wow. It, it's a lot of work. I don't like doing it. There's just so much stuff to consider. Yeah, you just got to pack up all your stuff. You got to make sure the old apartment's all uh, cleaned out. You got to, you know, make sure all the paperwork's in order. And got to figure out movers. You got to, uh, it's, uh, it's a real bummer. You got to come up with incentives for all of your friends to come help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like the older we get, um, the less patience our friends have for helping out, out with stuff like that. Like, you know, I've actually had uh, a friend that I've had up here in North Carolina who um, asked me to help him move. And I was just like, nope. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, are you, are you busy this weekend? And I was like, no, I just, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's not something I do. I don't help friends move. Yeah. It's just, I've, I've grown past that. Maybe like, you know, 20 year old Leo, but not, not almost 30 year old Leo no more. So I know you are a recent uh, owner of a new Nintendo Switch. That is true. How is that going? Uh, so obviously the console is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Just the concept of being able to play it in my living room and then, you know, just snap it off or whatever and take it with me. I, I did actually, I've done a lot more like handheld gaming with it than anything else. Um, as I've had a lot of travel the past couple months. Uh-huh. Um, my my thing with the Switch, and I, I came to you when I bought it like because I needed recommendations for games, because to me, they might as well just call it the Nintendo Breath of the, uh, Breath of the Wild. Like, yeah. That's really the main that's reason to get the console. Point. Right, right. Um, so outside of that game, I, you know, I think I've started, I've started playing some Mario, you know, a little bit. Nice, um, nice. Which is good. But let's... To be perfectly honest, like I really was mostly in it for for Zelda. Okay, so that was like the system seller for you. You bought the Nintendo Switch for Zelda. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it, from what I've heard, you know, the game was worth you know a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> so now, okay, so you heard that. Now you've finished Breath of the Wild, right? I, I have finished the main official, like you know, non DLC story. Yes. Okay. So what did you think? Uh, was I it was think it worth that, the purchase of this entire system? I gotta say, I think it was. Okay, I think it was, uh, which is a lot to say for a single game. But I've only finished the, you know, original content. Haven't even touched the DLCs, and I've already spent like at least like seventy hours on it. And there's still so much more to to find out in the game. Plus, there's the DLCs. So, like, the game alone is is I think worth. The, just the console to me so you you have a long history with the zelda series right we, we've we've I both played that. most most of them right yeah yeah how does breath of the wild stack up against uh all of the other games in the series how i think it stacks up is definitely one of the best okay uh 
We'll go over our list. Yeah, well, we're going to get in. We're going to have later in the show, we're going to have a top five Zelda games list. Um, the only gripe I have with it, and this is a common belief, and I've, I think you and I have had a small discussion about this before, that this is a great game for the, you know, entry into the Zelda world. You know? Oh, definitely. I've, I've never played a Zelda game before, and I'm going to start with Breath of the Wild. I don't necessarily agree with that, but... Uh, outside of that, the game is just fantastic. I mean, definitely like ten out of ten for me. Okay, back up. Why don't you think this is the first a good uh, entry point to the Zelda series? Because I think it is. So the problem is, if this is your first Zelda ever, if you've never played another Zelda, it is such a different game. There's Absolutely. definitely like it still feels like Zelda, but mm-hmm. it's so different than all the other Zeldas. Oh, definitely. That I think if it opens the gate of Pandora for you and you start playing all the other Zeldas, like you might have a different opinion now of all of the previous Zeldas, you know, because going backwards, like this game is, it's kind of just changing the whole formula, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's that. And then the other aspect of it is that if you haven't played any of the previous Zeldas, you're almost like missing out on a lot of like neat things. Like I have a friend, Matt Wong, we both know him. Okay. This is his first Zelda. And okay. I was asking him how wow. it was going. Like, uh-huh. and he was like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just like a, a couple hours in and I got to that village, like that where I'm talking to the old lady or something. And I was like, like Kakariko village. Yep. I'm like, it's Kakariko village, dude. Like, like, yeah, it's Kakariko village. Like it's been in so many Zeldas, you know, and he misses out on that because he's never played a Zelda before. You but know? you could. You could say that about literally any other Zelda game, though. Like, if I go back and, whatever, play A Link to the Past, or even the very first Zelda game, I mean, you're going to have that experience almost regardless, you know? Like, because all of those games have common elements. It doesn't really matter which one you start with. I don't disagree there, but I just think Breath of the Wild is so much better having played, you know, other games where I know the old man, I know Kakariko Village, I know... You know, I know and love these reoccurring themes and races and characters. Mm-hmm. It just makes Breath of the Wild so much better that I almost feel like you should play another game as a precursor just to, like, learn the the lore, as it were, and then enjoy Breath of the Wild even more. I agree that it does make it better. Like, it absolutely, if 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 you have context for all those other games and you go into Breath of the Wild, there's, there's so many things that um, enhance it draws on all of those previous games in a way that enhances breath of the wild, but you don't have to have played those previous games. There's nothing that um, requires your knowledge from any previous Zelda game in order to get an understanding of what's happening. They're all like clever winks and nods to the old games, but you're not really missing anything if you're not understanding those references. That is true. I'll give you that. I I guess ultimately the, the way I feel about it is that it's a fine entry point for anybody I'm not saying, like, don't make Breath of the Wild your first Zelda game. Mm-hmm. I just feel like if you were to make another game your first Zelda game, then play Breath of the Wild, you're going to get a little bit more out of it. Okay. No, I'd, I'd agree with that, too. I'd agree with that, too. But if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I've never played a Legend of Zelda game. I've heard this series is pretty cool. Where do I start? I'm going to say uh, there's a really great game called The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Also, it's on a pretty freaking awesome console. Uh, and bonus, uh, the console lets you play Breath of the Wild on the go wherever you want. Uh, I think that's a pretty yeah, strong that, selling that was, point. 
that is some strong selling points, actually. When you put it that way, it's kind of hard to say, hey, you should really check out Ocarina of Time uh, because, they, okay, yeah, you're going to have to go buy a Nintendo 64 yeah. or run an emulator and it's not going to be as good or, you know, yada. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, nostalgia is kind of like playing play older games are kind of a, a double-edged sword that way right because you have like so much nostalgia and like good memories uh tied up with them and somebody's like oh man like should i go check out ocarina of time and you're like oh hell yeah it's such a great game and then like reality sets in and you're like okay now you either need to track down the original hardware <laughs> the n64 uh which is going to be really hard to find you're going to have to find it at like a used game store or a garage sale or some sketchy internet site and then you're going to have to play it with a weird controller uh or you can uh download an emulator online which is totally illegal and a rom for breath of the wild uh and in my experience n64 emulation is uh kind of glitchy uh or you can track down uh, an older Nintendo console like the Wii U or the 3DS and download it on their eShop, uh, which is still not ideal because the ideal way to play that game would be on the Switch, but Nintendo doesn't have a, a stupid virtual console on the Switch yet, which drives me crazy. But anyway, yeah, that's kind of the problem uh, with recommending older games. That brings me back to um, how crazy it is that the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild exists, right? Because you were talking about the kind of iterative design process that Nintendo has, right? Because they make yeah. um, they make like a Mario game or a Metroid game or uh, whatever, and it's just kind of incrementally like, hey, it's, it's the same thing you played before, but this time we did something a little bit different. Or, you, you know, it's always yeah, just a yeah. little bit increments. I got the feeling when I was playing Breath of the Wild that they took the Zelda formula, crumpled it up, tore it to pieces, threw it in a trash can, and started all the way over. I don't know if you got that impression as well. I think so. I guess, I don't know, because in some ways, too, there were some like intricate things to me, like, I don't know how much uh, puzzles were a big part of it, and like how, and every other Zelda, puzzles were like a major part of the dungeons and stuff. Yeah, that, like you know, parts of it like it seemed like there was still a core Zelda feel to it, even though the mechanics were all completely different. So, so yes, I think that they probably just kind of scrapped everything mechanically and said, "Let's just like start from the ground up with the mechanics of this game." But I feel like they still had like this ideology or something that was like the same, you know. Well, here's where I'm coming uh, from with that. Um, so, ever since a link to the past all Zelda game design and the entire progression system of the Legend of Zelda at every game is all uh, lock and key puzzles that are based around item progression, right? So like you think about, um, you think about Ocarina of Time, you have to have the hookshot before you can get into the forest temple. You have to, have the um, hammer for the fire temple. You have to have the long shot for the water temple, whatever, whatever, whatever. That does not exist in Breath of the Wild. Every other Zelda game, that formula applies to. And if you played, did you, did you get a chance to play A Link Between Worlds? Uh, Yes, I did. They were kind of, I, I thought they were kind of experimenting with breaking up that formula a little bit in A Link Between Worlds, because in that game, you could rent the items 
like the you you never got key items from a dungeon. You rented them from oh god, I can't remember what the character's name is, but you could rent them from him or straight out straight out buy the key items from him. But you could always, as long as you had the money to pay for it, you could get any key item you wanted. Now, yes, it, it kind of broke the pattern a little bit. It broke the pattern, but the way they enforced that was at, before you entered the dungeon there would be a puzzle involving that item. So that way they could guarantee once you got inside the dungeon, they could still guarantee yeah. that you had that key item. And then the, the dungeon puzzle yeah. design was still more or less the same as any other Zelda game. Yeah. Uh, in breath of the wild. Yeah. Just got, that doesn't exist. Like all, <laughs> all of breath of the wilds game systems are kind of built around um, like emergent gameplay like right which is like the collision of different systems which i think is really cool and what i mean by that is like so when you take when you're in a fight and the weather is getting bad and you know a lightning strikes and it hits the ground and there was like uh dry grass near the ground the grass catches on fire and because the grass catches on fire it creates an updraft and then when you're in a fight you can jump off a cliff and catch the updraft and then like go into an enemy camp from the air and shoot him with a bunch of arrows and like that that experience to me is what Breath of the Wild is built around and i think that is so cool because it generates y- unique stories, you know? Like, I can have a crazy story like yeah. the one I just described with Breath of the Wild, and you could have an equally crazy story that happened with a completely different set of colliding systems. But, like, none of that exists in any previous Zelda game, and none of the previous Zelda games, like lock and key puzzles, in any form exist in Breath of the Wild. Uh, for better or for worse, because I think what what of one of the uh, major uh, nitpicks I would have with Breath of the Wild is the dungeon design. I, how did you feel about Breath of the Wild's dungeons? Well, I was about to say that. So, like, the that was great, <clears throat> and everything you just said, I totally agree with. Uh, and it has been sort of a refreshing experience for Zelda game to not have to go and get the hook shot before you can. You know, continue, you can kind of do anything in whatever order you want and make your own story, and that's great. However, one thing I found kind of lacking was like the core dungeons of the game. Mm-hmm. That, like, I mean, they just seem kind of lackluster. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, not very challenging. Uh, they kind of lacked the uniqueness of having to use a specific item. That, that's kind of how they added that uniqueness in the previous Zelda, so I'm not sure how you would fix that problem. I I agree with you that the dungeons are kind of samey and boring, frankly, but I I think you can still create unique dungeons without having, without requiring that Link has a certain set of items when you walk in. Like, you can just do that aesthetically, right? Because, like, think of, I'm going to go back to Ocarina of Time again, like, think of, like, the visual design of the Fire Temple versus the shadow temple versus the water temple like you can you can have crazy Mm -hmm. aesthetic designs which don't enforce any particular set of items but like every dungeon in breath of the wild visually just kind of looks exactly the same and it's not just visual actually too it's also like you know uh the water temple had a lot of verticality to it where you had to unlock different Mm -hmm. levels you know Mm -hmm. whereas you know the forest temple was more sort of linear Mm -hmm. uh, like kind of square rooms, you know, like stuff like that. I love Breath of the Wild and I love the idea, even though I love all the previous Zelda games, I love the idea of taking the Zelda formula and just throwing it in the trash. I love, uh, 
the kind of crazy experiment that Breath of the Wild is. But <laughs> uh, the lackluster dungeons make me wonder if Nintendo was not prepared for puzzle design without the traditional Zelda formula. Well, and I'll say this much, okay? This is their first game, mm-hmm. having thrown out the Zelda formula, we presume, mm-hmm. and starting anew. Mm-hmm. So for a first run at it, I got to say it's, you know, amazing. Definitely, I think that probably if anyone's going to complain about anything, it's probably going to be that, you know, that some of the dungeons were lackluster. Mm-hmm. I, I bet that they can take that information, take what they've learned, and work on some more kind of unique and interesting dungeon design in a, a future iteration of zelda oh god i hope so i i i hope so i would love another game like breath of the wild um before yeah. we move on though uh what did you think about the game aesthetically um so that means uh music that means um the visual presentation uh visual presentation very well done. I was very impressed. Uh, I think that game kind of had this gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it had this like really good blend of kind of like cell shading, like kind of like beautiful, like uh, animated. Look. Yeah, it was like halfway. But between, it also, you could tell it was like halfway between Wind Waker and I don't know Twilight Princess or something. It reminded me constantly yeah. of like a Miyazaki anime. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it all, the the art design had that look as well mm-hmm. just like the cat the character faces and stuff too mm-hmm. i thought that was all great um as far as sound and music i guess that probably left something uh, you know wanting it for me a little bit uh, music has been such an integral part of the zelda series yep. for me yep uh and you can definitely hear some of the common motifs like throughout the game mm-hmm. but the fact that there wasn't like as much of an emphasis on it, I think, because it kind of would be annoying, probably, to be honest, if uh, the music was like too overpowering for like kind of the repetition of fighting enemies over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they almost on purpose made it uh, a little bit more of a subtler. Oh, note. absolutely! Because every previous Zelda yeah. game, the, the the score is just right up in your face. I mean, go all the way back, right? To, you know, right. original Zelda with you know the super catchy main theme and a link to the past and Ocarina of Time. All, all of the music has been like right up in your face, front and center. I loved. I I really liked the idea of taking the soundtrack and just kind of putting it in the back seat because it, to me, what that did when you're when you're having less of like music in your face all the time that allowed the um the soundscape to really come out right so like when link is like in the forest you hear the rustling of the trees and the tweeting of the birds and like the wind uh you know all all of the nature sound effects and if this game is supposed to be about uh hyrule being uh sort of reduced back to it it's been reclaimed by nature right um I liked the idea of putting the soundscape of all of the nature in the front and having the music take a back seat. I really like that decision. I know that the reason I asked is because that's sort of a controversial thing. A lot of people have said like, oh, the music's not as good in this game, uh, which I sort of disagree with. I I don't think the music is any, I mean, it's not as memorable, right? You don't have all of the a million super catchy, memorable tunes of the previous Zelda games, but I like the artistic decision to let the nature soundscape come to the front and the music take a backseat. 
I think it was done on purpose, and I think it was a good design choice for the game. I think it's just from a personal, I'm an Uh in-your-face, musically type of guy. Uh So I just, I'm coming from a personal aspect of, like, wanting that that in-your-face sort of musical experience sometimes, I guess. Uh, what did you think about the the narrative, like the story? Because I felt uh, the narrative was also pretty sparse. It was basically just delivered through cutscenes. I actually felt like it was one of the most interesting narratives, I guess, that I've ever experienced in a Zelda. And I was like, actually, like really interested in the characters. Uh, there was admittedly very few like interactions with them but like i don't know i found them to be i want to know more about these characters i'm kind of like kind of mysterious and their backstory like i I just want to know more about them Mm -hmm. i think it was like a refreshing change of pace actually with with like i was much more uh into the story and and the the sort of passion behind the relationships between the characters than, than most Zelda's, to be honest. Yeah, I loved I loved the Breath of the Wild characters. I'm going to come down on the opposite side of the narrative, though. I mean, it's fine. It's a Zelda game. It was wh- whatever. It's Link and Zelda versus Ganon. It's sort of the, you know, whatever, standard fare for the... For the- but it was such a cool twist. It's like every, it was, it's been a hundred years. It's not, your, it's not your typical Zelda narrative. That's it's true, like, I guess. Everyone's dead... I was expecting a little bit more for a game that took the mechanical formula and tore that up and threw it away. I was expecting sort of the same thing with the narrative formula. Like, give me something crazy, you know? I do feel that at the end of the game, it should have been like, oh, actually, Zelda's dead. (laughs) Uh, This is what we're doing now. Like, you know, like, like to your point, I think the game was so different and so unique for a Zelda game that, that they should have done something like some sort of like what a twist at the end, you know, like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting something wild like that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that was lacking. Yeah. Cause, cause that's one of the major plot holes. I think I talked about it last time I saw you too, is that like <laughs> the whole concept of uh, Zelda being like just kind of trapped in time restraining ganon from being free and then somehow coming out of it like unscathed and still not old mm-hmm. and this is very confusing it's kind of like there's yeah some kind i didn't of plot get that either i, I didn't really understand because all of the other characters seem to have aged or died or whatever i mean i guess you can yeah. explain the fact that right. link hasn't really aged because he was in some whatever rejuvenation tank but why is zelda still exactly the same age Right. She wasn't in a rejuvenation yeah. tank, so I don't really get that. I I also kind of thought that, like, I mean, the character of Zelda was kind of interesting in all of the cutscenes that um, Link was having, but that's only, that's kind of the only development that character gets. I was really hoping that um, she would exist as m- more of a real character towards the end of the game. But she's just kind of always a disembodied voice. Like her only appearances are in the cutscenes. I kind of felt like that was a little yeah. bit of a way of waste of, of of Zelda. But then again, Zelda has also always just kind of been uh, a plot device, more or less, because in every other Zelda game, she's either non-existent or you have to go save her from Ganon or whatever. All right, let's let's move on. All right, so. We're going to move into our top five section of the show. We're going to count down from five to one. A different topic every show. This week's topic is our favorite top five 
Legend of Zelda games. I'm going to go first. Number five, my number five Legend of Zelda game favorite. My number five favorite Legend of Zelda game (laughs) is A Link to the Past. I think A Link to the Past is the first time that you really see the Zelda formula get solidified, right? So if you think... um, like, think of the rusted buttons in um, the Fire Temple in A Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. This is what I'm talking about. Right. Um, so when you walk into the Fire Temple, you'll see these rusted buttons, and you'll have no idea how they work or how to press them down until you get the key item in that dungeon, which is the Megaton Hammer, and then you can smash all the buttons, right? That's 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 what I'm talking about when I say the lock and key um, structure of, of puzzles. Uh, A Link to the Past is kind of the first time you see that formula gets solidified and i think a link to the past really started to not only establish the zelda formula but really establish like the game's um history with like really good uh musical themes um a lot of a lot of the like musical themes that we associate with uh all of the other zelda games made their first appearance in a link to the past i also think it is probably the best 2D uh, Zelda. Interestingly enough, my number five is also Link to the Past. Get out of here. What do you think about A Link to the Past? Link to the Past, uh, I came to it later on. I had played another Zelda uh, previous to it. I'm not sure that that had anything with it being lower on the list. I think a lot of people would put it very high on the list of Zeldas. Uh Granted, top five is still pretty high. Yeah, sure. But it is on the bottom of my top five list. Um, I think it's a fantastic design for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. It kind of defines Zelda to me in a lot of ways, more so than the Zeldas previous to it, Mm -hmm. for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. So Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, to me, kind of like the basic formula of the traditional Zelda game. It had everything that most Zelda fans love about Zelda games, and that's really why it's in my top five list. Same number five. I wonder how much overlap we're going to have here. I wonder too. I'm kind of curious. It's kind of fun. I wonder if we're going to have the exact same five. Well, we'll find out. My number four favorite Zelda game of all time is The Wind Waker. I really like the sense of adventure that this game gives. I like that when you get on, when you first get Link's ship and you set sail on the high seas and the music comes in the blah 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 like you know you're in for a good time right yeah. um yeah, yeah i really love uh the music in that game i love the visual direction of that game so if you go back to god when was that game when did that game come out it was early 2000s right when when you go back to yeah, when that early game, early 2000s yeah. when that game came out and when we first saw footage of that game that was like super super contentious do you remember that like oh cartoon link like oh mm-hmm. no it still it still strikes a chord with me a little bit yeah I'm not I, lie. I, okay well i really love the visual design of the wind waker i think that that game has aged better than the game that came before it ocarina of time or the console game that came after it um twilight princess it is the most i think it is the most expressive version of link that has ever existed because he's got this big cartoon face and all of his features are super huge, right? You can never not know what Link is feeling or thinking. And that goes for, like, all of of the NPCs in that game. They're just so, like, exaggerated and cartoony, and I really like that visual style. 
Um, and also, like, when I think of the Wind Waker, just the color palette, just like, ah, got such a good color palette. You think of, like, the blue of the ocean and the red of Link's ship and the green of his tunic and the yellow of his hair. Like, just what vivid colors. Do they just pop? I don't know. I really love the visual style of the Wind Waker. And also, just to talk a little bit about Wind Waker, uh, I hated that game. Oh, no! What? Scandalous. Yeah, just not scandalous. Did what did not you hate about the Wind Waker? Everything that you just said you loved about it. Oh, what? Are you what? Yeah, yeah. I, although I do admit the sailing was very fun. That was <gasps> that was pretty cool. My heart is broken. Alright, yeah. if we gotta pick nits about uh, the Wind Waker, there are two things that I have a problem with. The first is the first time you go to Forsaken Fortress sucks <laughs> that that part is so slow and it introduces all these stealth mechanics right so i remember as a kid playing that game like oh so oh, this is God. gonna be like a weird like stealth zelda so like you do that whole oh, stealth section and they teach you to get in the barrel and if you get caught you get thrown back to the beginning and you gotta climb the whole forsaken fortress and it's just such a drag and then you do all that and the stealth mechanics never come back in that game that whole section is such a bummer and then towards the end of the game like Uh, um fetching all of the pieces of the triforce in the various parts of the ocean is kind of tedious which i know they addressed a little bit in um the re-release on the wii wii u were it not for those two parts uh wind waker would be in serious contention for uh top two top three Without those little blemishes, I I adore that game. Our number fours differ. I actually, this was kind of a close between number four and number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with Link Between Worlds for number four. Ooh, I love that game. So it's interesting that we mentioned it earlier because it did kind of like sort of break the mold a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was a very interesting, I don't know, design about this whole concept of kind of these two different worlds that you can intermittently like just go between whenever you wanted and mm-hmm. the interesting puzzles that developed from that i thought they were very unique uh it was in my opinion uh one of the best if not the best 2d games I actually thought it was a little bit better than link to the past Ooh, in terms of the 2d controversial games. it is that is a, sort of a controversial belief but again this is coming from someone who did not start out with link to the past early on you know i didn't either i came Um, to that game a little late yeah it's i still say it's very good game still in top five but i do think link between worlds was a little bit more enjoyable for me having been familiar with the formula that i that i mentioned already it was very like interesting to to see them sort of experiment like we talked about earlier with uh with breaking the mold a little bit um and yet it still had that sort of classic 2d zelda feel that we know and love Mm -hmm. uh my number three favorite Zelda game of all time, is Majora's Mask. Oh, man. Yeah. I love the dark and um, just kind of surreal and uh, psychedelic and weird feel uh, and style of that game. There has not been any other Zelda game. Like, Twilight Princess is sort of dark, but it's kind of dark and dreary and depressing, but... Majora's Mask is just weird and spooky and just no other Zelda game is like that. And I I loved 
we've we've talked about in this episode a bunch of times the iterative design process that Nintendo has where they'll make a game and then they'll just incrementally, you know, here's a couple of things that are a little bit different. And there's so many different ways you can incrementally develop something, right? You can experiment with the visual right. style, like um, the differences in Wind Waker, or you can experiment with uh, the mechanical formula like they do in A Link Between Worlds or Breath of the Wild. I liked the experimenting with Zelda aesthetics, right, in in Majora's Mask, mm-hmm. which is amazing if you consider that most of that game just has recycled assets from Ocarina of Time, right? All of the, like, especially, like, all of the NPC models are just lifted directly from Ocarina of Time, but just the right. the, the music and uh, the events of the game and some of the characters are just a little bit creepier and weirder, and I love that style. I also uh, I I love the mechanical conceit, the thematic conceit of Majora's Mask. That there are three days before the before the entire world gets destroyed, and you can rewind time through those three days, kind of Groundhog Day style. I loved yep. that mechanical con- the mechanical conceit of that game. Uh, and no game has really done a satisfying sort of like time rewinding thing as well as Majora's Mask, I feel. Um, like, um, did you get a chance to play the Sexy Brutal last year? No. Um, yeah, that game sort of had the same sort of like rewind time and maybe you can change things and maybe things will be a little bit different this time. And it was sort of the iterative sort of thing. Like if you don't do anything, the exact same events will play out the exact same way. You, your character is the only one that can uh, change the events and your character is the only one who is aware of the time progressing and time rewinding in the same way as Majora's mask. And I don't think any other video game I've played has done it as satisfyingly as Majora's Mask has. I also love the idea of the Bomber's Notebook in Majora's Mask. So if you go back and remember Majora's Mask, the Bomber's Notebook had a listing of like 20 NPCs, and each of the NPCs had optional quests that would give you optional rewards for completing all of the NPCs' quests. And each of the NPCs had unique problems. And the reason I like this so much is I I like that kind of design where you're adding optional content that is enriching all of the NPCs in your game. When you're going to these NPCs and learning about their problems and learning about how to solve them, it really humanizes the NPCs in a way that uh, none of... It, It makes the NPCs memorable because, okay, when I think of the NPCs in Majora's Mask as opposed to Ocarina of Time, because they are the exact same NPCs, I mean, the models are exactly the same. I think of the Majora's Mask NPCs and I think of like, oh, their names and their faces as opposed to the exact same ones that occurred in Ocarina of Time because you spend so much time with them in Majora's Mask figuring out all their problems and, and helping them out. And I think that's a really that's, that's a really great way of killing two birds with one stone, which is adding optional content, optional side quests to your game, and also fleshing out your game world and really humanizing your NPCs. So yeah. Love the Bomber's Notebook. Well, my friend, we are back on the same train Ooh. because my number three is also Majora's Mask. Uh, Majora's Mask was like that one uh, YouTube video of the Mary Poppins trailer, like the original Mary Poppins trailer, uh-huh. and they take it and add like horror music and like clip certain parts of the trailer to make it seem like a horror movie instead of 
the you know happy-go-lucky Disney movie that it originally was. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I know. that's like basically the Taylor mashups. Match, right? yeah. You take right. Yeah, you basically yeah. take all the same assets from Ocarina of Time. Uh-huh. You know, same sort of music and races and stuff, and you just make it creepy as hell. And I love that. Yep. Like you said, yeah, the whole concept of kind of Groundhog Day and like seeing the same events transpire and then trying to figure out where you can uh, alter things was just so like interesting and so uh, you felt like you actually were in control of like like literally like saving the world from this weird moon that was it's also very japanese in a way like what is this moon with a face on Mm -hmm. it and stuff Mm -hmm. i have a um an unhealthy fear of horror games for some reason i just cannot uh play them by myself i have to have i have to be like in the daylight with some friend of mine we have to play the horror game together because if there's any kind of jump scares or weird environmental stuff like it freaks me out too much i'm just too enthralled in the game i think there were some parts of majora's master were some parts of even uh probably the creepiest thing in breath of the wild was every time the uh, sun moon came out or whatever and mm-hmm. had all the monsters and stuff the creepy music that came on like i couldn't handle mm-hmm. that i could not handle that i don't know why as much as i have a hard time playing through stuff like that randomly I love it. And I think Majora's Mask did a really good job of just adding kind of some other layers to the Zelda that I think everyone knew and loved. One of the kind of repeating uh, trends of, of my top five is tweaking the formula a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, and I think they, did, they just really hit the nail on the head with Majora's Mask. My number two favorite Zelda game of all time is Ocarina of Time. For the longest time, oh. for the longest time I never thought I would play... Uh, a video game that I liked as much as Ocarina of Time, let alone another Zelda game. That game, when I played that, it was this. So Ocarina of Time was my introduction to the Zelda series. I played this in, God, I think in middle school and it blew my mind. (laughs) Um, I can remember just the, the huge, how huge the world seemed and how big the scope of that game seemed. I remember just spending hours and hours just doing the mini games and not even caring about the the rest of the the story or any of that. I loved the unique aesthetics of all of the dungeons. I loved everything about that game. That game is very close to perfect in my book. I think some of the things that we discussed earlier can be counted against it. The fact that um, visually that game hasn't aged very well. And there is currently no modern hardware that you can play that game on, which is a huge, huge bummer, uh, unless you count downloading it on the 3DS or the Wii U. But God, that just speaks to how much the Switch needs a virtual console so that we can download Ocarina of Time and take that anywhere. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. What is your number two? Well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and say what your number one is, because then I think it'll make more sense when I say mine. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say, if you haven't guessed it already, my number one mm-hmm. is Breath of the Wild. I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll come okay. back to that. But I want to hear your number two. And the reason I say that is because my number two is Breath of the Wild. Oh. And my number one oh. is Ocarina of Time. All right. Let me, let me hear your thoughts on uh, any, more, any more additional thoughts on Breath of the Wild. Okay. So Breath of the Wild, it's the reason it's not in my number one spot, I've kind of already gone mm-hmm. over I think that Zelda as a as a historical franchise um offers a lot more to me um if you if you are I guess kind of part of that history I I think that 
the game stand on its, stands on its own very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great entry point for people who who want to let it be that entry point. It's it's a it's a very close separation of number two, number one. We're not. I'm not saying our time is this crazy much better, but it's just this feeling of um, a more complete enjoyment, I guess, that I get um, from my number one spot than I do my number two okay. spot. Uh, still, that, that being said, fantastic game. Uh, definitely one of the best. It's up there with the best, in my opinion. Um, not a lot of bad things you can say about it, really. All right, so I'm going to hop back to my number one, which is Breath of the Wild. And here's why Breath of the Wild is my number one. So um, we discussed a little bit ago some of the things I count against Breath of the Wild. But this is still one of my all-time favorite video games because its strengths so far outclass those weaknesses that we talked about. I loved the emergent, the, just all of the collisions, the crazy collisions of systems in Breath of the Wild. I love that everything in that game is physics enabled, right? So you 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 take your little bomb, you take your bomb, and you drop it down. And if the wind is blowing too much, that bomb is rolling right down the cliff. <laughs> or in the most hilarious circumstance possible, you throw the bomb at the rock wall that you want to bomb, and the wind blows the bomb right back in your face, and you blow yourself up. I love I love stuff like that. <laughs> that that like even when even when that happens to you, like you can't be mad. Like it's like ugh, it's just so good. I love the visual direction of that game. It's I, I like the light use of cell shading on the characters. And I think God, I just think that game is gorgeous. Even on the Nintendo Switch, which is a piece of hardware which is not, you know, the most powerful piece of hardware. Uh it's not on on par from a performance standpoint with the PS4 or the Xbox, whatever we're on with the Xbox or even a PC, but even with the lack of hardware power, they managed to make a game that I think looks absolutely stunning. As I've said, my number one is your number two, Ocarina of Time. And I, I think what it comes down to between choosing which of these games is your number two and your number one, because it's, it's going to be one of these okay, two. Yeah. Like these are Probably definitely the top people, levels, yeah. right? For everything that you said, you know, the dungeons in Breath of the Wild were just nothing to write home about. Uh, I actually did not like the fact that I kept having to find these weird memories to get more about the story of Zelda and stuff. Uh, you know, aesthetically, it was amazing. Everything else was amazing. It's still one of the top Zeldas, but Ocarina of Time, it's just like if I could say it in one phrase, it's in your face. It is like, bam, here's the title and an awesome song. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your story. Here's your bad guy. There's your girl. Here's a fucking ocarina. Uh, you got to figure that out for yourself. The music was just like we talked about before. Very, you know, in your face. Very. I'm also, you know, a musician and a lover of mm-hmm. music and how much music interplayed into all of the kind of thematically, you know, the dungeons, the the fast forwarding of time, which was kind of their way of breaking the mold a little bit. There is some nostalgia in there as well. I'm probably, I'm not going to lie, but really just looking back to as, as a whole, like the game design and, and, and also kind of like what it did for the history of, of games and the development of games. Oh, absolutely. It's just huge. It's just absolutely monumental. I, I cannot put any other Zelda above it uh, for all those reasons. And as far as you know, it being kind of more difficult to play these days, or definitely visually, it did not age well. But neither did any 
Nintendo 64 game. That's that true. Game. You know, those are those are things. I guess I, I kind of look at things in a vacuum, uh, and for for the sake of this, uh, you know, top five list. So obviously, you know, aesthetically, it's not that appealing anymore. And technologically speaking, there's you know, Breath of the Wild is just light years ahead of it. But it's just kind of the importance of the game and and the in your faceness of it that I just know just love it, man. It's just to me, it's just the greatest Zelda that will ever be. Mm. And that's how I feel about it. That's good. That's good. We I, I like that. We uh, my fear was that we were going to have the exact same top five list. I'm glad we had a little bit of variation in there, and I love that you had a spot for a link between worlds because uh, I thought that game was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I really that game made a surprising impact <laughs> on me for a little 3ds game. Yeah. Before we wind the show down, I thought Leo that we could do a good public service for all of our listeners out there by uh, recommending some products or some media, maybe some movies, maybe some games um, for our, our listeners that we've been enjoying and we want to get the word out about. So what recommendations do you have? What endorsements do you have? All right. I've been playing a lot of League of mm-hmm. Legends. If you have not checked mm-hmm. it out, uh, definitely. I think it's worth uh, a checkout. Just be wary that you might get addicted and lose your loved ones. Okay, because I am I am that audience. I have not checked out League of Legends, so pitch it to me as though you're uh, like tr- sell me on this. Okay, so you know if you like strategy, uh-huh, I do. if you like um, character development in the sense of uh, RPG, like stats, character progression, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. progression, character progression, right? But you uh, want to experience that within the confines of a 30-minute game mm-hmm. instead of 30 hours. Uh, and if you like competitive you know, multiplayer experience, mm-hmm. the game is worth a shot. Basically, in 30 minutes, you go from level 1 to max level. You can feel like the hero of your own little mini-game, okay. but it is multiplayer action. There is multiplayer strategy. There is bragging. There is, um, you know, uh, trash talking, uh, uh-huh, and yeah. it has this whole community of you know esports and you know ESPN two has you know played stuff. It's there is a, a huge kind of skill uh, aspect of it. So if you like fighting games and you know other like kind of like multiplayer like you know esports, type I have of been games, getting into fighting games. It's you got you got to turn up. You got to try it out at least once just to see just to see what all the fuss is about because. It is probably, if not the most popular competitive game, um, that, that's got to be one of mm-hmm. the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, my endorsement uh, this this episode uh, is going to be a really bad movie. So uh, I know you and I have both seen this movie. Uh, it is a really... Oh, man, I know what's coming up. It is a really, really, really bad movie. I happen to enjoy watching a really good terrible movie and my favorite terrible movie of all time is tommy wiseau's the room uh if you do not know what this is um you uh you can probably get uh god you can probably order his dvd straight from his website which i think is tommywiseau.com uh, it has been described by other people as the Citizen Kane of bad movies, which I do not dispute that title. It is so perfectly bad. Uh, this man, Tommy Wiseau, produces, directs, and stars in his own movie. And he wrote the movie as well. Yeah. And it's it's not good. 
So I've seen a lot of bad movies. I, I really enjoy watching bad movies. The first time I watched this movie, I was about 10 minutes in and I was like, wow, this is this is a particularly bad movie. Uh, this is pretty terrible. Um, uh, like I, the, the acting was bad. The script was bad. Uh, just this had all the hallmarks of a really good, bad movie. Uh, I got about 20, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes into that movie. I was on the floor laughing. Uh, I, I couldn't breathe. Uh, this movie. <laughs> I was I, there. Yes. I'll test yes. Uh, I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. Um, I, I totally endorse uh, ordering. If you have not seen Tommy Wiseau's The Room, that is just the the title is just the room. Um, get get a group of your 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 closest friends together. Order a DVD. Order a Blu-ray uh, of this terrible terrible movie. Uh, and if you have people who love to laugh at good bad movies, uh, this is definitely one of, if not the best all time good bad movie. Mm-hmm. Order a few drinks too, because you might. Right, want there are yes. It. If you like drinking games, you can Google rules for the room drinking game. Uh, be careful though; there are a couple rules that might get you totally hammered. I feel like I want to go ahead and back your endorsement <laughs> as well because <laughs> yes. it's not. It's not that it was just a. It was a bad movie. I think it is the worst uh-huh. movie of uh-huh. all time. And it's not just because, like, cinematically, like, or how it's written. It's just everything around how it was made and the you know, just the like the fact that he spent probably millions of dollars but won't ever tell anyone where he got the money uh-huh, from. Yep. Like just everything about that movie from production to big reveal and the fact that it failed as a movie and now has succeeded as hilariously one of the funniest movies, you know, it's kind of a, a cult following now. Just everything is fail and terrible and it's beyond just a bad movie. It is just the worst cinematic <laughs> experience you could possibly have. It is definitely a good time, though. I definitely endorse that. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good, so bad. It's yes. good. It's really, it's unbelievable, unbelievably good. All right. Well, Leo, do you have anything else? Uh, man, I think that's it for me. I don't really. Uh, I'm looking forward to many more uh, yeah. episodes. And, uh, yeah, this has been All fun. All right. Well, for the Good Games podcast, I am James. And I'm Leo. All right. And we will see you next episode. On the next show, we will have a discussion of the cult MMO Star Wars Galaxies, as well as our top five Star Wars favorite Star Wars games. So look forward to our next episode. I cannot wait. We will see you next time. See ya. I was going to say it sounds like all of our all of the women in our lives <laughs> maybe oh god you were were you just uh, mm, were you just looking for an excuse to use that sound bite there I was sorry you can edit that part out <laughs> uh, maybe I'll put it at the end of this podcast as a as a buffer or something okay <laughs>